0: Allah says, Allah will never burden someone with something they can't handle. And then these beautiful narrations, where the Prophet is encouraging us to constantly return to the raw material of Islam and use it for constant transformation, constant improvement, constantly getting rid of some of the bad qualities that are. And constantly trying to draw near to Allah, Subhanahu wa Taala. If we could uh, scoot forward, inshallah. And this is the narration related by Imam Muslim, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi he said, "I promise, I'm the I'm the one who guarantees, bait a home in the highest level of paradise, for the one for the person." And he uses the form ahsana, as Ibn Malik says, you know, the forms of words and how they change contain the asrar of the lura, the beauty and mystery of the language. So the Prophet said, Ahsana Islama, which means that someone is actively trying to better their Islam. And another narration, and he's not talking about converts here. There are other narrations for converts that say, Hasuna Islam, because that's from the beginning. But he's talking about someone that's been Muslim for a while. They got grandfather claused in. (laughs) And he uses the form Hasana, a Fa'ala, and Ahsana, which implies the person has taken responsibility and they've made his or her faith the object of improvement. One of the beautiful narrations also found in Imam Muslim's text is that whoever, male or female, improves his or her Islam, kullu hasana, every good deed that he or she will do, from that point on will be magnified by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meaning infinite in the reward and the blessings of Allah. So we should be very careful of allowing Islam simply be reduced to ritual or culture. And when we look at the Qur'an, we see faith as painted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is painted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a transformative experience. Faith is transformative Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala early on, when the companions of the Prophet had accepted faith, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he mentions like, we started to kind of take it easy, right? We started to chill. And then Allah said, Allah said, has not the time come for those who believe that their hearts are brought into submission and reverence. The word khasha, actually in ancient Arabic, khushur is for a willow tree that begins to wilt. It begins to bend over. Metaphorically, it's the heart that bends to Allah. The heart that leans to God, it finds submissiveness and it finds like this sense of submission and reverence to Allah amanu meaning yani has not a time come that finally your heart can be impacted? Li Allah, by the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they will not be like those who came before them who A long time, you know they experienced life and their hearts became hard. One of my teachers said that they took their faith as ritual, and they did it so long that it became like a habit, and they built these constructions in their minds, and their attitude towards faith was no longer one of a transformative raw material, but one of just like, yeah, I gotta do it. And that's why subhanAllah in the Quran, you should and I should think about the verses that describe the conversion of the early Muslims. Like what conversion meant to them. And then in recent times we can look at people who you know have recently accepted Islam and perhaps hear their stories of transformation, information for transformation. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he describes the Islam of Imam al-Mu'minin. Umar ibn Khattab. The Prophet loved Umar so much, he gave him two names. He named him Al Hafs. Abu Hafs is the father of lions because of his bravery. And he named him, of course, Farooq. Because can you farak al Because he was able to distinguish between right and wrong. And we know that his Islam was an incredible moment. The Prophet وسلم, said, Allahumma'i said Islam bi'amarin. The Prophet prayed for enemies. He said, oh Allah, guy, strengthen Islam by one of the two Umars. Either Abu Jahl or Umar bin Khattab. And he became Muslim in the fifth or sixth year in Mecca. Abdullah bin Mas'ud said, before Umar was a Muslim, we had to pray on the DM. But after he became Muslim, we could pray wherever we wanted But when he embraced Islam, in Sultan Anam, Allah describes his embrace of faith as transformative. If we're talking about someone who a woman said, "Wallahi, walahi lahimaru umar, you know, the donkey of Umar will become Muslim before him. I mean, it doesn't get much worse. And then he embraced Islam. And Allah says, awaman kanamaitan, for that person that was dead, fa and we resurrected him. Ibn Qayyim said, مَا أَحْيَاهُ حَقِيْقَةً You know like, it wasn't resurrected literally, but بِالْإِيمَانِ But Allah resurrected His heart with a transformative life of faith. The Qur'an is always described as things that bring a transformation, the spirit. We sent you the spirit because one of my teachers said, what's the body without the spirit? It's empty. So Omar, his embrace of Islam is one that is a commitment to constant transformation throughout his life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about those people, the Sahaba, and the end of Suh Tafat. The slow transformation, it wasn't instantaneous. <laughs> that they were like a seed. Who a weak stem grew out of it, and that stem slowly became strong, and then it could stand on its own. Sheikh Muhammad Ali Saboni said, The Zara who a Muhammadun Wasallam, the seed is is revelation, is the Quran and the Prophet. And the stem that slowly grows and goes through the, the dirt and is able to shine. There's a lot of metaphor in this verse and experience the light is the Sahaba. There's a beautiful example of this, of how faith should be framed in our life as something transformative, especially for religious people, right? Religious people have the biggest threat because religious people can easily fall into the idea of ritual because I'm already good. One of my teachers, a young man came to him. This is Generation X, a little bit more firm. And he said to him, you know, why do you always talk about repentance? I don't need to repent. So, Sheikh Ahmed Diaye from St. Louis, Senegal, he said, no, you need to repent. He said, what? He said, from stupidity. <laughs> like, only an ignorant person would think that he's not committing sins. He's like, oh, okay. But if you look at the Quran, we see, like, faith is something that the Sahaba are constantly doing. Like why do things change? The Qibla changes. The direction of the Qibla changes. Isra and miraj Fasting is instituted. Hajj is instituted. Salah is two. Then it's five. There's always this opportunity. Certain things socially are, are allowed. Then, then they're prohibited. Then they're permitted. Then they're not pro- There's this constant idea that faith has to be translated into a life of change. Not just a life of religious ritual. Ritual or sterile attitudes. So we see a beautiful example in Prophet Moses who before and we should be careful some people that use these verses to promote sunni quietism and that's not where we're headed with this. Because the prophet said the greatest jihad is to speak truth in front of a tyrant sallallahu alaihi But we see a transformation in his life that before he was a prophet, he was in Egypt, and he was moved by the plight of his people, and the qasas you know, he wants to help someone from his tribe who's being brutally oppressed, so he inadvertently kills somebody, he reacts, impulsiveness, and this is before he was a prophet. And then later on, as we all know, he is anointed. The most mentioned prophet in the Quran is Prophet Musa, Moses. He, subhanAllah, accepts the responsibility to take care of a family. And then, interestingly enough, as Ghalib, the great Persian Urdu poet said, you know, if you ever doubt God's plan for you, just think about Musa. He went for fire and came back a prophet. So he goes to help people and then he comes back a prophet. And immediately prophethood doesn't just come with like likes on Instagram and a new filter packet. (laughs) Prophethood comes with a very, very strong social responsibility. We have to be very careful as a community of anyone who tries to divorce our faith from being translated in a way that allows us to work for justice. So immediately he becomes a prophet. Transformation has to happen. Prophecy doesn't happen. I remember after I accepted Islam, this brother, mashallah, again, Generation X, a little bit more difficult. And he said to me, you know you have to pray tomorrow morning, right? I was like, what? I'm going to the club, bro. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but you can pray after the club. The point was, like, immediately he reminded me that there's a responsibility with all this. So Sayyidina Musa, what does Allah tell him? ila in Nahu Go to Fir'aun. And now when he goes to someone who's not only oppressing one person, he's oppressing his entire nation, he's composed. He still speaks truth to power. People try to kind of suck that out of the story. Like he still has asks, right? He still demands justice. He still speaks and demands accountability. But the way he reacts, and the way he engages, his character has been transformed. Sheikh Abdul Zaydan, great scholar from Iraq, mashallah, who passed away in Yemen a few years ago. He said, you know, look at the transformation of Sayyidina Musa, how faith, he still has the passion, he still has the commitment for justice, but faith has made him wise and nuanced. فَقُولَ لَهُ Speak to him in a way that will move him and bring him close. Perhaps he will benefit and take heed. So, just a short reminder. The khutbah really should just be a reminder for myself. Of course, first the speaker and then everyone. That we should look into our lives. And have we allowed Islam to settle, faith to settle, in a place where it's no longer a transformative component of our life? It's no longer driving us to be in a state of constant improvement. Even if we slip, we're still committed to trying to get better. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and yahdiana ila ma yardah wa ila ma yuhib. Ask Allah to guide us to what pleases Him and what is beloved to Him. Aqulu qawri هذا astaghfirullah hari wa rakum fastaghfiru. Inna huul ghafur raheem. الحمد لله لا أبغي به بدل يبلغ ثم الصلاة على خير وعلى ساداتنا آره وصحبه Fudala. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We sent peace and blessings upon the Prophet sallallahu and upon those who follow him until the end of time. You know, if you really think about Surah Fatiha and you see, as the scholars said, that Shulta Fatiha is divided into three parts. You know, the first is, of course, recognizing the transcendence of God. The second is worship and assistance. And then the third part of Shulta Fatiha is a prayer to ask for good character. And then, and this is hard to translate in English, but, غير عليهم غير Ghayr means that there's always opposition. Other than, so there's something there. There's something that I need to be other to. There's an object of the otherness. So if I'm asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at a minimum, if I'm praying my five prayers 17 times a day to make me other than those who went astray, other than those who have earned the wrath. Then that means that's constant. I'm constantly needing to transform and stay away from that. So you see something that I'm talking about now in the balagha of the Quran, the rhetoric of this word, like constantly keep me away from that. That's why Al Razi, somebody asked him, why do we say, guide us to the straight path if we're already believers? He said, because there is a constant need for guidance. So, thabitni. So, for the person who already has accepted faith, keep me consistent. Keep me in that state of transformative faith where I'm other than this and I'm on the straight path, subhanAllah. What are some things that we can do uh, to make sure that we are not falling into the danger of turning religion into simple ritual? The first one I addressed in the beginning of uh, The first khutbah is to think about those narrations of Sayyidina Muhammad wasallam, that encourage us to constantly get better. The second is we should not fall into thinking of ourselves vis-a-vis religion as the worst person on the face of the earth. And you see this a lot, right? It happens to all of us and that may be because of the furnishings in our life. There may be people around us who have told us, like, you are literally the worst Muslim on the face of the earth. That hurts, man. And people take that seriously. But the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, and sometimes we don't understand this hadith completely, he said, This hadith is in the 40 hadith, so Allah, everyone should come early on Friday to benefit from her and to learn from her. MashaAllah, I was lucky enough to come today, alhamdulillah, and it was very beneficial. But this is one of those narrations that she will be explaining inshaAllah. Whoever believes in Allah on the last day should speak well or remain silent. This not only means like in a group setting, this also means how you talk to yourself. And that's why Ubay ibn Kaabi said, one day I was walking by this fence and I heard someone on the other side talking to themselves. And he said, that's odd. Someone's like talking back and forth to themselves, like they're arguing. So he said, I ran to see who it was. And it was Umar ibn Khattab. And he said, Umar was saying to himself, you did good this time. Like, can you imagine, subhanAllah? He's like, you did good this time. Well done, ya Umar. So he is reaffirming himself so if you or I are telling myself like, man, I miss Fajr today, I'm worse than the Dajjal. You know, or, you know, I made a mistake. I swiped right. Now I'll never be on the right side. Right? Because the struggle is real. The struggle is real. And those moments, as we talk about in our explanation of the Hikam on Thursdays, we don't worship moments, whether it's success or failure. We worship the Lord of moments. So regardless of where I am, I remind myself, Allahu, Allahu, Rabbi. And that's why people, when they would get upset, the Prophet, a woman came to him and she said, I'm despondent. And he said to her, say, Allah, Allah, Rabbi, La Sharika La." Remind yourself, Allah is your Lord. There's, we can't scoot forward. If we scoot forward, I'm gonna smash myself. Okay, we can try to scoot forward. May Allah make it easy for us. I'm up on the wall giving a khutbah. Very strange. Alhamdulillah. The third thing is, I should have priorities. And I should be very careful that my priorities are not based necessarily on culture or custom. So for example, like today, I'm not trying to put it even when i blast, but like people were sitting and making dhikr and Aisha is teaching. But the hukam is that dhikr is sunnah, and to learn from her is the kifaya. That's why, subhanAllah, in Azhar, sometimes I would come to the halaqa late, and as I would walk in, the Shaykh would be teaching, and I would pray two al masjid. And he told me, don't do that. Because the knowledge, the hukum of studying, is greater than reading Sulta Kaf by yourself. And the hukum of studying is greater than dhikr. Somebody may get emotional. This is not an issue of emotions. This is deen. But when we allow emotions to come into priorities, then we risk creating our own ritual. But I should be willing to be a little bit uncomfortable, unbalanced. So today when I came in, I was like, I need to read Sulta Kaf. But then, subhanAllah, I saw the Shaykh teaching, and I remembered to study, is to learn, is fardu kifaya. To read sota kaf, is sunnah mu'akkada. Wal fardu kifaya yuqaddim ala sunnah al-mu'akkada. So here's an example of not just creating my own priorities, but allowing myself to be led by priorities. That's why Sidi Ahmed Zaruqi said, taqdeem al-ahem ala al-muhim, shaknu sadiqeen fi kulli shaykh. Sheikh al-Zuruq said the sincere people with God are those who always seek to put what's super important in front of what's secondary. The fourth thing that I should do to avoid ritual is I should switch it up, yo. I had this roommate, SubhanAllah, mashallah, Irfan from Karachi. We were roommates in college. Can you imagine? It's amazing. And he used to work at Taco Bell. Subhanallah, we had very good iftars. But subhanallah one day he came to me and he said like A salah is so boring man he's like I don't find like that that feeling so I said tell me about your salah he said yeah I read surah al-Quraish surah ikhlas I was like every salah and he's Hanafi so he has 17 sunnah after Isha mashallah <laughs> so I said every salah ikhlas <laughs> and Quraysh yeah I said, bro, like, memorize Baqarah. Like, appreciate why there's so many different ad'iyah and afkar. There's so many du'as to learn. So many dhikrs to say at different times. Imam al-Kashmiri, the great, great Hanafi scholar, he said, all of the dhikrs of the Prophet, he didn't say at once, he said when they were contextually meaningful to him. So like, what du'a has meaning for you now? Say that du'a. What chapter of the Quran touches you, just say a few verses. The last is that we need to be in a constant state of learning. And we can learn from each other. And that requires really three things. Number one, we have to be together as, there's actually a fourth, sorry. But we have to make sure that we are invested in at least like once a week we attend the halaqah because that's the source, as Imam Madik said, of the ihya of the qalb. And the halaqa, not simply of people who are my peers, but the halaqa of the shuyukh and the ulama. And that's a sign, as Ibn al-Qayyim said, the greatest jihad of a person is to sit in front of someone and learn the Quran. Because it requires so much from them. My sheikh from Senegal, he told me once, there was a guy in his village, his city, sorry, who was really famous. He was becoming like a speaker. But he couldn't recite the Qur'an. So he would come to my teacher and learn the Qur'an. And then, subhanAllah, he said, is it okay if I come at night and use the back door? And the sheikh said, I realized, he didn't want people to see him learning, subhanAllah. Like there was an ego thing. Like learning is not easy to sit with someone and say, can you teach me something that I don't know? The last, and this is crucial, is our unity. Our unity allows us not to fall into boredom instead of seeing our different articulations of Islam and our expressions of Islam and our understanding as a threat, we should understand that these, as Amr bin Abdulaziz said, are from the greatest blessings of Allah. The differences of the Ummah are Rahmah, as mentioned by the Prophet wasallam, And we should learn to be together, unity without uniformity. And especially those of us in power, like who are running organizations, or in charge of student groups, and so on and so forth, we should understand that Allah has given us an amana on our neck. And that if we don't work together, we will be asked by Allah. And that if we split the ummah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we have split something sacred. <laughs> so our unity is not a threat. Our unity is something our disunity in the sense of culturally and religiously, and how we like different food and how we may have different attitudes and different approaches. This is a mercy. That's why Ahmad Zuruq, he said, and we're going to teach this book, inshallah, in the winter retreat, the Qawad al He said very beautifully, ikhtilaf al-masalik, raahatul Right? That different approaches are a mercy to people. We're not a threat to one another unless we're too insecure to appreciate that, guess what? Everyone's not a big, tall dude from Oklahoma. That's not how it works. So ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to give us the passion to employ this powerful amana of Islam and to free it to change our lives and to be better people. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to constantly allow us to frame it in a way that emancipates us even from the myopic vision of some religious communities. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us the allies of those hurt by power. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us patience and healing. Those of us who may be suffering with anxiety or depression, those of us who may be having difficulties with our parents or our kids, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yuslih barakum. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our brothers and sisters in Central Africa. We ask Allah to bless the people who are the victims of economic policies in the city which are uprooting them from their homes. Ask Allah to protect us from being gentrifiers. Ask Allah to help us be truly allies to the environment by getting rid of plastic in our life. Ask Allah to help our brothers and sisters who may be struggling with substance abuse. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to be there for you and to help you inshallah overcome these challenges. We pray for people who are worried about their marriages. May Allah give you hikmah inshallah to solve inshallah any of those concerns. We pray for all of the oppressed that Allah will make us an ally to remove their oppression. <speaking in Hebrew>